This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. This is Jordan Moorhead here with Austin Real Estate Investing. Today we've got Ben Kogut on, and he's going to tell us all about his journey of how he went from working as a residential realtor in Austin to a commercial broker in Austin, and now he raises money and syndicates commercial deals all over the country, but mainly works with people from Austin. Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm well, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I, I love your story. We'll talk more about what you're doing as we get into this, but I I absolutely like what you're doing. I think you're doing something a little unique. Everybody goes one way. You guys have kind of gone the other way. Exactly. But real quick, just tell everybody who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area. Yeah, sure. So I am, I've been in Austin since 2000, came here to go to the University of Texas. Although my family's been in Austin, uh, my grandmother was born here almost 100 years ago. So wow. pretty, pretty deep roots, uh, fourth generation in Austin uh, and proud of that. Uh, but from a business standpoint, I got uh, into residential real estate uh, right out of graduating from UT back in 04 and then transitioned into commercial real estate, went and got my CCIM designation, which is a commercial real estate education. Uh, then I went to went back to school um, back in 2010 to get my MBA at Acton MBA here in Austin. And then uh, from there, I graduated, went to work for a high net worth family office that owns a few hundred million dollars worth of real estate around Austin. And, uh, and then that kind of ran its course. And back in 2014, 15, I started a uh, brokerage company, a development company, and I just started making investments on my own behalf. And fast forward a little bit, I started investing in someone else's commercial real estate syndications with the company I'm at now, HJH Investments. So I started as an investor and I was looking for yield. I was looking for an opportunity to earn passive income on my money. And even back then, I was feeling like the valuations in Austin and the returns that I could get on my capital just weren't um, weren't attractive enough. I mean, I, I do have holdings here in Austin, but I was I was looking for more things that I just didn't have to manage on my own. And so I discovered commercial real estate syndicating, uh, started investing. And then the CEO of HJH Investments um, made me an offer I couldn't refuse to become a partner in the company and help him with um, help the company with raising capital and you know educating. I teach a lot of people about how to invest in in real estate and and um, you know doing the podcast thing and all that good stuff. But really, at the end of the day, it's about relationships. And so, you know, being in, that I've been in Austin for 21 years, and my family's been in Austin for nearly 100 years, uh, really, it's just been an opportunity for me to, to share uh, my story with the people in my world, um, mostly that are here in Austin. And so it's been a really fun journey and really grateful for all the wonderful relationships that I've been able to bring and, uh, you know, help people earn, you know, reach their personal financial goals by earning passive income 
And so it's uh, it's really a blessing and, and one of the coolest things I've ever done in my career. Absolutely. I love that. And your grandma must have been one of 15 or 20 people here when she was here in the, in the 20s. So yeah, um, that'd be really interesting to know if you look have you have you ever looked back and said, hey, how many people lived here when she was born here? Well, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think the the common number is that Austin has doubled every 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, basically in perpetuity. And, you know, it may even exceed that, you know, going forward. Uh, but yeah, there, there's definitely some fun stories that uh, my grandmother has shared with me and my grandfather too. He, my grandfather, both of them, they, my grandfather's still alive. He's 90. He had the largest chain of liquor stores here in Austin for the last he had it for 50 years. He sold it to Twin Liquors back in, um, I think it was 2002, right when I was a, a sophomore at University of Texas. Oh, right. But uh, yeah, he was he was the Twin Liquors of, of the day for 50 years until he sold it to, to them. And unfortunately, I wasn't at an age where I was ready to take over the family business. But um, nonetheless, um, you know, it's definitely proud family history here in Austin. And Luckily, the, my grandparents were smart enough to hold on to some of the real estate, but definitely not all the real estate that they had access to over the years. But as we all know, everything in Austin uh, has just continued to go up in value, which is wonderful. Yeah, no, that's it's awesome. I mean, I think everybody looks back and says, well, I should have just bought more over periods of time, but I, you, you really never can know. You know, I'm, I'm sure people in Detroit thought the same thing and said, Oh, you know, I should have bought more. And then they're probably glad they didn't at a certain time. And then when, uh, when timing's everything always has been and always will be. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned over the years and I've observed from other people is you can't time anything. So you just need to be in the market. You need to be conservative and you need to be making your money work the best you can for yourself at any one point in time. And that's all you can do. Amen. Amen. You can try to time stuff a little bit every so often, but really what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, so the way that I invest has has been with a long-term mentality. Mm -hmm. There will be ups and downs along the way, but when you are investing with that mentality, it's not a big deal when the market dips here and there. Uh, It really, you know, it doesn't matter. And especially because the way that, you know, I structure my deals are with long, with high credit tenants with long-term leases. So throughout the pandemic, they, they, you know, with some exceptions for sure, they've been paying the rent. And if they didn't pay the rent, they were looking to defer the rent. And so now we're catching them back up now, or they extended their lease term in exchange for free rent. So there was a lot of different ways that we could uh, find a win-win solution with our tenants. And we have a, we have a couple hundred tenants in our portfolio right now. And, and that's, that's growing. And so it, uh, it takes a lot of work to, to manage all that, but, you know, having the right people and the right team in place to do that is, is really the, the secret to that success. Yeah. So I think once we start talking more about what, what you do, people are going to wonder this um, because, you know, you're in retail office industrial, that's kind of the, the scary places to be right now during, or at least a few months ago during COVID. Um, have you guys had any real major issues or have you been able to overcome everything? Um, yeah, there's definitely been issues along the way for sure. Um, for example, we had, uh, we're the landlord uh, to one of the locations for Academy sports, for example. Oh. And so Academy sports, it's a single tenant building that we own in Missouri. 
Um, they came to us at the beginning of the pandemic. Actually, we went to all of our tenants and said, hey, if you guys need help, we're here to help you. And so Academy said, hey, um, I think we gave them, we negotiated a deal. We gave them April and May rent for free. In exchange, they, they at the time had a nine and a half year lease term. Uh, they added two years. So it was, the oh, negotiation was one month for a year. So the lease went from a nine and a half year lease to an 11 and a half year lease. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, um, they not surprising. It, it was a little bit of a surprise, but not that much of a surprise because we did our due diligence. They uh, had a successful IPO. And so they are now a publicly traded company. And so we now looked at ourselves and we now, we gave them two months of free rent, but in exchange, you know, with an 11 and a half year lease, it's a triple net tenant. They're now publicly traded. And so we decided to go ahead and spin that market out, uh, put it out of the market. And so we, we, we only owned it for less than two years, a little more than a year and uh, sold that for a pretty meaningful profit right in the middle of the pandemic. So um, you know, we turned some uh, lemons into lemonade, as you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and we did that um, with many of our tenants as well. We didn't necessarily sell the assets, but we negotiated to, to help them out. You know, if certain tenants were getting shut down by the government. And so we luckily are in a position where we have robust reserve accounts, money that's just sitting there just in case. And so that allows us to help our tenants, help them out, help the small businesses to be able to thrive, survive, and then ultimately thrive uh, after the pandemic. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, I think there's just so much pent up demand. Um, And when you look around in Austin in particular, like some people think, oh, retail is dead, Amazon, this and that, internet. Well, the secret's out about Amazon, right? But shopping centers are not dead. Now, malls are a different story. There's certainly malls that are struggling for different reasons, but I'm talking, we don't buy malls. We're just talking about shopping centers, right? And so shopping centers have really pivoted. If you look at them, uh, it's not gonna be a place where you go and you pick up and buy clothes or whatever. I mean, there are certainly exceptions. It's more in general, uh, a place where you go to a restaurant or a bar or the doctor's office or, you know, a nail salon or some kind of service or something that isn't necessarily going to be gobbled up by Amazon. So there really has been, so like you made a comment earlier about it's a scary place to be. Well, um, not when you, not when you, when you look at the unit economics, the fundamentals of where the cash flows are coming from, um, it's not a scary place to be. So when you, you know, you take the time to understand and then you drive around town, you look and you look at, pay attention when you drive around East Austin or around anywhere, look at who the tenants are and then maybe ask yourself, well, who used to be there, mm-hmm. you know? And so things have really changed, uh, in the, in, and they always will. And they always have been changing, evolving. And so when, you know, we do research every day, um, looking at these types of trends and we, you know, we try to get ahead of them and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be uh, investing in commercial real estate. And yeah, I'm proud to say that I do that every day. Yeah. And I think at the same time, you know, there are probably some people that got hurt and maybe some great opportunities to pick up good deals too. 
Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community, and now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, to that point, I mean, mostly what we do is we, we buy real estate from motivated sellers. Mm -hmm. And so for example, um, on December 31st of 2020, so five, six months ago, we bought an office building, right? So office is scary. Oh, no one's going to the office. Well, we bought an office building that was a hundred percent occupied by an engineering firm, um, called Jacobs engineering. They're publicly traded adjacent to NASA in Houston. Wow. And they are the number one subcontractor for NASA. And we bought it for a 10 cap. Wow. So that's a 10% return on your money. Then we, you know, borrow, we leverage, we borrow it. So that pushes the returns closer to like 14 or 15% annual returns. And it's got a, a seven year lease in there and a long-term, you know, the tenant pays for all the expenses. So really, um, the seller was a family office that, uh, you know, got hurt during the pandemic for unrelated reasons, and they needed access to capital. And we were the right place at the right time, making the right offers. And um, yeah, we're proud to, we raised $7 million and um, bought that asset. Now everybody in that partnership is, is going to, you know, reap the rewards. They're getting paid um, every single month cash flow off of their investment on that deal. And so... You know, there's a lot, kind of like you said, there's a lot of people that are syndicating apartment complexes, but where can you buy, you know, a fully stabilized cash flow apartment complex for a 10 cap? Next to Certainly. NASA. Next to NASA. Yeah. Certainly doesn't exist in Austin, Texas. No. I mean, that would be probably uh, somewhere between a six and a seven cap for that type of uh, cash flow. And so the, I guess the point of I'm, that I'm trying to make is like, you got to think outside of Austin, you know, and, and unless you have some other ulterior motive or you just love managing real estate or you love, I mean, look, I'm not here to bash Austin. I'm the point I'm trying to make is that it's expensive here and that's not a secret either. And so finding the right people to partner with, to go out and find deals outside of Austin, outside of Texas. That's that's our niche. That's that's what we specialize in. Uh, if we could buy something here for a nine or ten cap, yeah, sure, we'd do it. But it just simply doesn't exist, so we don't waste our time trying. Yeah, and I think you know you brought up two two good points that I want to hit real quick. Um, you know, Austin's a great market if you're developing or if you're flipping. There's there are things that work really really well here, but long term buy and hold investing for cash flow might not be the easiest here unless it's a huge turnaround project and you've really got some upside there. But you, you talked about something here just a minute ago that I think is really important. You said, hey, we didn't have any problems because we had a lot of reserves. And that's really important to understand as an investor. It's, it's not so much, you know, what does the investment look like? So if you're going to buy, let's just say a single family house, and you can get just a, a better return if you put more money down on the house. But when you put this money down, it leaves you with no cash. So then if you have vacancy for a few months, you're kind of in trouble. But 
if you buy something right and you have good reserves, six, six to nine months reserves, I, I like six months personally, but that's just, I just follow what the banks do. Um, let's see, you've got six months reserves. If you have three months vacancy, it's no big deal. You know, you've got that in the bank already planned out for that. You can hold it later and you can go get better deals because other people are struggling. They didn't have those reserves ready. So I think it's really important when you start buying multiple properties to understand that reserves are really important. Make sure you have a backstop if something like COVID happens and you have to give your tenants two or three months free rent. You guys worked that out to be a win-win. You said, hey, we'll give you too much free rent, but we're gonna get two more years of a lease out of you. And they, at the time that was kind of a lifeline to them. I'm sure they said, great, let's do it. Um, that works out real well for you. And it, it worked for them too. They were able to keep their business going. You're right. Um, I really like that. So Ben, you know, it sounds like your family's been in business for a long time, um, been somewhat involved in real estate for a long time. What initially attracted you to real estate investing when you were younger? So uh, I discovered commercial real estate and real estate in general when I was a junior at the University of Texas and somebody gave me the idea to do um, an informational interview. It's kind of like a podcast, but it was before podcasts were a thing. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was just in my blood. So I knew that, but I didn't know what kind. And so when I was at UT, um, I decided to do 50 informational interviews oh. where I would take people to breakfast or lunch or coffee or whatever I could. Successful entrepreneurs here in Austin and leverage my network um, to, to find these people. And I, I would always finish the conversation or the meal or whatever it was, say, hey, is there anybody else that you think I should talk to? And I'd ask them, what do they like about what they do? And I'd really pay attention to, what do you not like about what you do? Mm -hmm. And so uh, f you know, after doing 50 of those in a six month period of time, I discovered that I was really interested in commercial real estate. And so I uh, got that in my head. I started getting educated. I was one of the youngest people ever to get uh, the CCIM designation here in Austin. And uh, really, it's just been a blessing. Like once I discovered it, uh, I have been with my foot on the gas pedal focused on commercial real estate since 2004, uh, 2005, somewhere in that range. And um, it's awesome. It's just been great. And there's always so much to learn. There's always... You know, it's it's a relate in my opinion, it's a relationship based business, and you know, I love spending time and investing in those relationships, and um, truly am living like the best life I could ever imagine. It's really a blessing. That's awesome. Um, you know, I love that you were talking about investing in relationships. So everybody knows you invest in property; it pays you over time. I think when you invest in your network and relationships, that's gonna pay exponentially over time. So build your network, figure out how you can add value to others and you're gonna be in a great spot. You nailed it, amen on that. <laughs> um, so Ben, you've seen a lot of deals, both from the broker side, you've been a residential realtor, you've been a commercial broker, and then from the owner side, from syndicating aspects, what's, one piece of advice you'd give to people listening to avoid a bad deal, you know, so 
maybe some big red flags you guys see when you're doing due diligence that you'd like to share with our audience? I mean, it kind of relates to back to the relationship thing. I mean, I, I give a lot of my success, the credit to my mentors. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best way to avoid making the biggest mistakes is to surround yourself with people that have the experience um, that have, you know, had, you know, gotten beaten up by the real estate market or really life, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so surrounding yourself with people like that, so that when you are at a crossroads and you need to decide, am I going this way or am I going that way, that you can bring it to a mentor or, or two and say, hey, what do you think I should do? And so they, you know, you can rely on other people, the experience that they've earned from their mistakes. And so uh, that's how that's how I've been able to, um, you know, get as far in my career as I have, um, just because I have really, really wonderful mentors. Um, but, you know, so I, you know, I don't know if that's the right answer of what you were looking oh, for on that question. But, I think that's great. I actually haven't gotten that answer. Um, and it's not necessarily deal specific, but I think that's great advice because you're trying to figure it all out on your own and you're saying, oh, you know, I get all this, this input from uh, this due diligence I'm doing, but you don't know how to decipher it. That can be a good way to kill a deal or, or miss a great deal. So having input from somebody experienced that's been through that same thing is is awesome advice. Um, well, and and on a on a similar note, I'd be remiss not to mention that I I recently wrote a, a little ebook uh, on a very similar topic. Uh, it's called Five Things to Consider When Investing in a Commercial Real Estate Syndication. Sure. And uh, one of the chapters in the book, and by the way, and it's it's free. You can get it at my website hjhinvestments.com/book. So go check that out. But um, one of the things that I talk about it is um, in, in part of evaluating a deal, I think that everybody should ask themselves the question of the four rules of cash. Are you familiar with the four rules of cash? I'm not. Okay. Not so, um, cash, all right. So let, do you want to go through the four rules of cash? Why not? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So, um, they're going to sound like, yeah, duh, no brainer, but there's, there's, there's some depth to it. So just kind of play along with me here. So rule number one is cash now is better than cash later, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes you make an investment in a deal, you put money in, and in the case of what we do, we'll make you a, a, an 8% dividend every single month to you as one of our investors. Sometimes you put money in a deal, you get no cash flow, but then, you know, two years from now or three years from now, the deal sells, boom, high five, everybody gets paid. So that's just one of the questions you should ask yourself. Do I want cash now or cash later or some kind of combination of the two? Uh, rule number two, um, less risky cash is better than risky cash. Right. So when you're evaluating a deal, certain, you know, risk factors, you're, you're asking me like, well, what's, you know, how do we, how do we avoid making, making a mistake? Well, you got to evaluate all the different risks that are involved in it. And so when I'm evaluating a deal, I'm looking for where I'm looking to mitigate and minimize the risk that's involved in a certain type of investment. And that goes for anything, whether it's real estate or non-real estate. Um, so we did, um, okay. Rule number three, 
Uh, more cash is better than less cash. Well, duh, right? Yeah. But, you know, sometimes, um, you know, when you're evaluating a deal, there may be other circumstances or, or things that occur that, you know, may influence that, that decision. And then rule number four, the most important rule, and it, it ties perfectly back into what we were talking about with reserves, which is the most important rule, never run out of cash. Yeah. So anyways, the, those are in the, those are a little piece of the, the ebook that I put out there. Um, it goes back to reserves. It goes back to you putting six months of reserves into an account. It goes back to, um, you know, making sure that you have tenants or a backup plan and making sure that you don't get yourself in a situation where, um, you know, the bank's coming after you or some other situation because something happened and you ran out of cash. And at the end of the day, that is what makes the world go around. And that, that's what will keep your, your deal alive sometimes. So when it comes to syndicating, um, we will uh, make it a point in the capital raises that we do to raise a significant amount that will eventually just sit in a bank account just in case. And so, um, yeah, just uh, those are some things that, that to be thinking about. So, yeah, I think that, that probably relates to what's Warren Buffett's two rules for investing is number one, never lose money. And number two, see number one. Um, yeah. with, with reserves for you guys, I'm curious, do you have a specific metric you look to hit for reserves for every property? So unfortunately, the answer is it depends. Um, you know, if it's a single tenant Walgreens that we bought recently, um, the tenant is responsible for all the expenses. Um, we do need to have some money in case, uh, there's like a roof leak or some, some tax issue or something that could pop up. So that that's, you know, we, we, we probably won't need a lot in reserves, um, compared to, um, a 250,000 square foot shopping center, um, that is going to have tenants come and go on a constant basis. We need money set aside to be able to pay commissions or holding costs or to give a, a tenant improvement allowance, some money to the tenant to be able to finish out their space. So, um, really it's, that's, uh, that's just experience talking. So we know we've done so many deals that we know, uh, you know, more or less, um, how much money that we need to raise, um, to, to have in, in reserves. Awesome. Yeah. I guess is, and that goes back to your advice of have a mentor, because if you don't know those things that you guys know, you need to ask somebody and figure out how much money do I need in reserves for me? All my investing is residential property. Six months of mortgage payments is pretty easy to understand. And again, you're all triple net lease. None of mine are triple net. So I'm responsible for everything. The money just comes in. I divvy it out to those things. Yeah. So Yeah, but your experiences tell you that, right? I bet when you did your first deal, you might not have known that you needed six months of reserves unless someone, maybe a mentor had told you that, or I don't know where you learned it, but things you pick up along the way. Yeah, I didn't have any reserves for my first deal. Um, the, the bank taught me the six months thing. So yeah, my first deal, I didn't have anything when I got into it and I didn't have anything to lose. So I 
wasn't too nervous about it. I mean, I think the more properties you get, the more important it is to have reserves. When you're a big company like you guys, you absolutely have to have reserves because it, it could pull down the whole company. But you know, if you're little me and you have one property, probably okay not having such a serious amount. But once you know, as I've accumulated properties, absolutely we make sure we have reserves for everything. Um, understand where you're at, understand what you need, and you'll be in much better shape. Um, ben, you know, what's what's one, what's a piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's looking to invest passively in an asset class like you guys are putting together? Well, uh, again, uh, shameless plug, the, the, all those questions will be answered in our ebook, The Five Things to Consider When Investing in Commercial Real Estate. Okay. Um, Hopefully uh, we can put a link down there somewhere. Uh, yeah, that'll be in the show notes too. So, okay, perfect. Uh, really, you know, the my goal when I'm speaking, you know, speaking with somebody that's asking that question is really to flip it out on them and find out what their goals are. Mm-hmm. Um, if their goal is immediate uh, passive income on a monthly basis, then I would encourage them to look for cash flowing deals that provide that for them. Uh, I would advise them to find, you know, the balance between the risk and the reward. And in our case, um, you know, our investors are averaging somewhere between 10 and 12% of their money on an annual basis. Um, that doesn't, that's not even factoring what the exit is going to be. That's just purely cash flow that comes out of the deal. And then um, I would tell them to, you know, find the right people, the right team. The right with the right track record, um, the right um, amount of transparency, the tools for communicating, the accessibility of being able to ask questions, the consistency of the reporting. So in our case, we will provide a report four times a year to our investors with the latest cash flow statement and balance sheets. Um, I would encourage people to you know, get on a bunch of different syndicators, um, investor lists and not, not just HJH, but you know, there, there's a bunch of them out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and I would say get on the email list and just start reviewing deals. And by the time, let's say like, this may sound excessive, but look at 30, 40 or 50 deals before deciding to invest. And then after you will have looked at that many deals and understood the economics of the deals and the different variables, I think you'll probably have the answer for yourself. You'll know when it's the right time to invest uh, just because you had looked at such a volume uh, of different projects. Yeah. I, I like that advice. I also would tell somebody who's newer to passive investing you know, go to conferences, meet meet all these different syndicators. Um, like you said, there's a lot out there. There's a lot in Austin. We've probably had 10 on this podcast nice. in the last year. Um, but yeah, the, if, if you've never heard of passive investing before and the first person you talk to might just sound amazing, but then you go talk to 10 more people and you think, man, that first person I was just talking to doesn't really sound like they know too much. And that's not the person I want to invest with. So I love that advice. Get out there, meet people, talk to people. Things are opening back up. Um, we are in May of 2021 now. 
people are getting back together. You'll be able to get back together with people here soon and learn about this stuff. Absolutely, you know, reach out to Ben, reach out to his company, but talk to as many as you need to to feel comfortable. I love your advice of 30 to 40 deals. I think by the time you've seen that many, you understand how they're presented. You understand what a reasonable return is and, you know, what, what you can expect to get. Totally. Um, you know, Ben, I know you guys don't invest in Austin so much right now. It sounds like you have a lot in the past and you yourself have a lot in the past. Do you have any advice for somebody looking to get started in Austin in their local market right now here? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. So the question I am hearing is how do, how do people find deals? And so, or, or get started passively investing. So I think that everybody's different. Like you said, everybody has different goals. Flipping a house is probably not a good goal for you. If you make 400 grand a year and make really good money at your job, don't go flip a house, invest passively with somebody like you. But if somebody's looking to get introduced to both active and passive real estate investing and get started doing that here locally in Austin, you know, Mm -hmm. where should they start? Uh, so specifically in Austin, um, I've been a speaker at this uh, networking group that meets on Tuesdays in North Austin uh, at Casa Chapala. Um, yeah. I, I forget what that group's called. Um, but um, it's a, Investor Underground. It could be Investor Underground. Um, eh, but there, there, there's a lot of groups like that. Um, yeah. That's just the one that came to mind. But I would say, um, to your point, like to the extent that you can show up start shaking hands, start asking people where, you know, there's opportunities to invest, who the right people are, start, you know, building relationships, you know, reach out to guys like myself who are more than happy to take people out to lunch, breakfast, lunch, coffee, whatever. Like, that's what I do. Like, that's my job and I love it. And just start meeting people. And once you get into the rhythm of um, connecting and looking at deals, things just start to happen. And it's to really just be in action. You know, if you want to be passive, uh, unfortunately, you can't just sit on the couch and, and, and be passive literally to do nothing. Like you do actually have to make some effort to, to eventually become passive. Um, and so that, I mean, it's not that much effort. I mean, listening to this podcast, right. And then discovering this guy, Ben Kogut with HJH, that was some effort. So high five to you. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> But, you know, that means that you are already in the in the process of getting yourself educated and learning and uh, connecting. And so, uh, you know, the next step would be when you're listening to a podcast, do the follow up. Right. Like look up how to contact the people on the podcast and reach out to them. Hey, I heard you on the podcast and I thought what you said about this and that was interesting. Where can I learn more? And, you know, just start asking questions. Yeah, and I would say also at that same time, you know, guys, for everybody listening, remember that at meetups and get-togethers like this, there's a lot of people like you that are just there to educate them and, and help them learn. But there are a lot of people out there with ulterior motives. So, you know, if a broker or a wholesaler or a realtor or a syndicator or whoever really tells you something that sounds too good to be true, like Ben said, go talk to 
10 other people and just get a, a good idea for what's going on. I think, you know, Ben, it sounds like you guys have a good handle on the market and you say, hey, there's not 10 caps available here in Austin. But I guarantee you, you go to some certain meetup, a broker is going to tell you, oh, we find 10 caps all the time. They're all over the place here. We've got great deals. Just come talk to us. And especially as you sink down into the residential space, it gets even more murky where there's tons of wholesale companies and people that will take your money, don't have any fiduciary duty to you, don't care. And they're just going to sell you a deal and be done with you. And then you're going to be hurting later on. So um, like Ben said, talk to a lot of people. Um, make sure you're vetting people and understanding what their motives are for talking to you and how you can look out for yourself. So always look out for you and talk to a number of different people and get a good understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I think those are all, all good advice. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions and, yeah. um, you know, look, seek transparency and track record and, um, you know, take your time. There's no rush. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really important because if you do take your time and you do it right, you can sit on the couch all day. If you mm -hmm. found a good jockey and you just keep feeding that jockey, you're going to make more than enough money to not have to do anything and do whatever you want with your time. <laughs> that that is a uh, that is a lovely thought. Although I'll tell you, like we have a few hundred investors. Nobody, you know, most of I don't know a large percentage of whom you know could certainly do that. They could sit on the yeah. couch and do nothing. But most people are very um, driven. Oh uh, yeah, in their lives, and this is just another way to to add, you know, to to add to all that. And so yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I think the biggest thing most people think, oh, I want to get all this passive income so I don't have to do anything. I don't, like you said, I don't know anybody that does nothing. I know people that are many times over able to do nothing, but nobody does nothing. They're just able to do more of what they want, when they want, with who they want. I think that's what everybody really wants. Yeah, that's that fulfillment. That, that's freedom right there. And that, that is definitely what I hear a lot of people talking about is being able to control their time instead of the other way around. And, and, and personally, that's, that's, that's my, that's where I'm at too, you know, <laughs> like yeah. being able to do whatever, whenever I want, which is uh, pretty much the way I live my life. And I like it that way. Yeah. Get on this podcast is what you wanted to do this afternoon. So absolutely. Glad you're here. Yeah. Um, Ben, you know, I know you've got a book. Um, it's on your website, HGH Investments. We'll have that link down there for people. But you have another business or mindset book that you recommend to people read. So uh, the book that really, and I've read a lot of books that are business oriented, but the one that really changed us was Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. Yeah. And so when we, when I decided to give up my successful development and brokerage business to focus exclusively on raising capital for commercial real estate syndications, and that's our one thing, that's, that's what we do every day. Um, we do research every single day on our one thing. And so when we see that deal that uh, is the right deal for us, we, we know how to jump on it and we have all the systems in place to be able to do that. And that has really um been like putting you know fuel on the fire to accelerate our growth 
And so there's always tempting temptations to do other deals outside of our one thing, but um, we, we won't pursue it. We we're, we're having too much fun, too much success, just doing kicking butt at what we do uh, in our syndication business. And so I would encourage anybody that's, um, you know, looking for success in whatever it is that you're doing to, to pick up Gary's book and, and uh, check it out. Yeah. Another Austin local here too, but um, absolutely. The one thing Gary Keller and Jay Papazan, great book. Everybody needs to read it. No matter what business you're in, it's not really just about real estate. It's about finding your one thing that produces the most results for you. Um, those posters are all over. I work at Keller Williams here in Austin and all those are on everybody's door. Hey, I'm doing my one thing. Come back later. Nice. So absolutely big in my world. Real quick, Ben, um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? And we'll have all this in the show notes, guys. So you'll be able to find Ben's information. But real quick. What's yeah, I mean, we, we put a lot of work into our website. It's hjhinvestments.com. Uh, the book is slash book. And uh, go check it out. Go. Uh, we have a series of uh, short videos that talk about the different aspects of commercial real estate and syndicating. Uh, those are great resources and free. Um, we have um, other PDFs and other resources that we're really using to educate people. And um, yeah, and if anybody really, really wants to get a hold of me, you can find me on LinkedIn. My last name is unique. It's spelled K-O-G. UT first name is Ben um, on all the socials and you know pretty easy to get a hold of so feel free to reach out all right perfect yep reach out to Ben guys again he would love to help you learn more about passive investing in his specific asset classes but absolutely he can just help with passive investing too any questions anybody has reach out to Ben Ben thank you so much for coming on today um, everybody that's listening to this live, this will be out here shortly, anywhere podcasts are found. So listen again. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Jordan. Thank you.